0: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Double Venture and welcome to the Bohemican Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy Podcast. When you say the name Sauce, many turn their thoughts to the old Christmas song from England called Good King Winchesloss. St. Wenceslaus, or Václav, as he's called here in the Czech Republic, was not quite a king, but a prince. And his reign was very abbreviated thanks to an age-old story of fratricide. This evening's podcast focuses upon the patron saint of the Czech Republic, the primlicid prince that never saw the throne, yet became the iconic face of a nation and her people. Tonight we discover St. Wenceslaus of Bohemia. We're talking about a millennium ago, if you can believe that. Wrap your head around a thousand years in the past, when Bohemia just converted to Christianity. 150 years after Saint Methodius and Cyril came to these lands to imprint not only a faith but a language. So, when we take a look at Saint Wincheslaus, we have common knowledge that he was born in 907 A.D., probably at Stahol. The death of his father, uh, who was killed in the Battle of the Ma- by the Magyars, the Hungarians. Uh, interrupted his studies, for he was uh, called to succeed in the throne as the as the oldest son. Since he was a minor, his mother, Drohomira, acted as a regent and guardian for her seven children. Drohomira is represented as a jealous of Princess Ludmilla's ascendancy over Wenceslas. So when we talk about Grandmother Ludmilla's viewpoint to help kind of gather sauce into the Christian uh, sphere, it was very important uh, to to the Christian movement here. Drohodmira was not part of that faith. She was a pagan, right? Yep. right? She lent an ear to to the courtiers uh, who asserted that he was being trained rather for monastic life than to, for the throne. So she didn't really dig that, Travis.
0: That was a big criticism at the time. Right. Yeah. So, so who was Drohodmira? She comes from the what is now Brandenburg in Germany, but at that time was Slavic, hundred percent Slavic, and also pagan. So if you if you're interested you can actually look it up. She's from the Haveli, uh like H A V E L L I, a kind of pagan religion area or tribe and uh, they fought the Germans, they fought other Slavic tribes. I mean they're they're pretty well researched. And to give another example of of kind of the uh, tra- transition from paganism to early I mean it was it was Catholic but like early kind of uh, this transitional Christian period. One of my favorite examples is Saint Vitus Cathedral. Before there was the c- cathedral, there was the rotunda or basilica, and you know the churches got smaller and smaller as you go further back into time. And this is significant because, uh, j- you know, this is just an example. It hasn't, doesn't have too much to do with this other than that's really interesting. <laughs> but um, Saint Vitus in Czech is svati vit, right? like holy, holy Vít, and. Before there was this chapel there for for Saint Vitus, I should also mention that he's not Czech at all. He was like a fourth century martyr in the you know late Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know he died in a, in an arena fed by lions or some something like that. And, um, if, and if I remember correctly, what his claim to fame
1: being fed by the lions was that they didn't touch him at first, yeah, which is like biblical. And, I mean, it's, right, yeah. right. They were starving lions and uh, uh, they wouldn't touch him, and then eventually later on they tried to. Uh, uh, burn him and a few other things. They finally, right. they you finally got the death they wanted, but it wasn't easy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mar- typical late Roman Empire martyr's death, but it has nothing to do with Bohemia. Okay, so why would they name it after him? Well, because there's a pagan god called Svetovit. So we got Svativit as Saint Vitus and an old pagan god called Svetovit, and uh, that's he's has nothing to do. They have nothing to do with each other except for that they sound very, very similar. And Svetovit was honored where the Prague Castle is now. That hill was a pagan holy place, so a great place for a church. right? Now,
1: let, let me let me get, paint this picture for those of you that have been to Prague, or those that want to come to Prague one day. Uh, going to Prague Castle is a must. It's, it's one of my favorite places, actually. I always learn something when I go up there. Uh, but it's a must to go, I must stop here in Prague. And when you go in, when you see this giant, giant church, um, uh, it's actually inside the working area where the president of the Czech Republic does his, his work today. So you go through a couple courtyards, and you get back to this. And what you're seeing in the very front of it is something that was finished uh, in the 20th century. <laughs> this, was, mm-hmm. this is not right. what it was around. It was actually much smaller. But, Travis, you're right. When you go back further in time, you get down to the Rotunda about a th- almost a thousand years ago, that was that was there on the top of this hill. That was probably no bigger than a, than a giant office space. Yeah, uh, uh, you little, know, little chapel. A, like, you know, a couple cubicle sizes in an office space. Uh, but it's right, pretty close where the obelisk commemorating World War One soldiers is in the courtyard, the modern courtyard. It's right across from that. And when you look at Saint Vitus Cathedral, halfway through this, you're going to see a giant uh, uh, golden mosaic with uh, the idea of the ascension to heaven and hell, the ascension to hell. Uh, that was the the, intri- the original entry place to the cathedral for people to, to pray, including the king. And right in that area is where the St. Wincheslaw's crypt is that was dedicated by uh, Peter Parler, the architect of the time of Charles the IV back yeah. in, the, in the 14th century. So just kind of give you an idea when you go up to the castle, that's what you're going to see. And there's just dripping with history about this time, including the the uh, the chapel to uh, Saint Wenceslas. Well, and
0: Charles the Fourth did finally end up bringing Saint Vitus's skull to Prague, so they could have a reason for calling it that, I guess. But yeah, and we may talk about we.
1: I, I maybe we should mention this now, but we may kind of gloss over this a little later. But but Charles the Fourth. We can thank him for many things. We can thank him for the creation of Newtown. We can create, thank him for uh, the bridges, for taking care of the floods and the fires of, of his early reign, and making Prague what it what it was in the Middle Ages. But we can also thank him, like you said, Travis, for bringing back the importance of Saint Wenceslas uh, to to the Czech people. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he he really was the person to make this happen uh, to make him revered in the patron state of this nation state. So. They really do go hand-in-hand in, hand in a lot of ways. Just had to mention that before we go any further. We
0: mentioned this briefly when we were talking about Svati, uh, Bóleslav, And uh, so, Drahomira was Wenceslav's mother, but she was pagan. And now, Ludmila, who we've also mentioned before, probably in m- many episodes, actually. Ludmila was, she's also a saint, or she was canonized. And um, so, she was one of the very first real Christians I, you know she was baptized by Saint Methodius's student I mean you know 150 years later you know right from the beginning from in the Czech like kind of mythology and depictions back when everyone was literate, you would sometimes see Drahomira depicted with like goat's legs, even like really like demonic really? almost. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, and Ludmilla almost angelic. You know, you always see Drahomira like, you know, brunette, dark, and Ludmilla like, you know, blonde, and you know, it's really like in the old medieval manuscripts. And in any case, I mean, you know, she kind of deserved her reputation. So Drahomira um, had Ludmilla murdered. By two of her bodyguards with her own scarf, with Ludmila's own. Yeah, scarf. Yeah, she was strangled. I thought maybe she was suffocated by a pillow. Somehow strangled. strangled. Yeah, yeah. and um, then she tried a couple of times. Now, okay, so there's a there's a couple of different versions of the story. This is you know again a thousand years old. So I'm just going to kind of combine them all <laughs> for your benefit. Um, but uh, according to one version, so she she tried a couple of times to kill Wenceslav. And she kept failed. She kept failing. Like she'd she would poison his soup and he, you know, he somehow miraculously survived. It's part of the miracles of of why he was canonized later. Now, at one point, she kind of gave up on trying to kill him. In fact, she was just frustrated because all of her attempts were foiled somehow. And now, if you're coming in from the back of uh the Prague Castle, there's Chernin Palace. And I don't know. You know, if you, if you kind of know all the landmarks, you'll see it, but there's, as you get closer, there's Schwarzenberg Palace, which is a very nice Renaissance building. If you back up a little bit, there is the Loretta, which is a, a replica of the Loretta in Italy, which has a replica of the Santa Casa, which is the house where the Virgin Mary uh, got the message by, from an angel that she was pregnant with Jesus. Okay. If you go a little bit further back than that, there is the Channon Palace. And what's interesting there is that there's a circular cobblestone circle. (laughs) Like a traffic circle. No, no. No? No, it's just a little tiny... Uh, I'll show you one of these days. Yeah, we'll I, take a I, walk I've driven. There.
1: I've driven in that area many yeah, times. Th- so there's, there's a
0: parking lot. So there's Chernin- Maybe there's, that's something. Else. There's it's all a there's, there's all kinds of stories there because yeah. they used to have a secret tunnel underneath there, where the kings could escape in time of wars, and then in World War II, uh, part of that tunnel was used as a Nazi radio kind of you know radio station slash bunker. I mean, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on around there, but there's just this one circular thing. Um, there's a statue of Benish on on one side of that. And um, if you know the right people, that is known as the hole to hell. And, okay, so here's how it got its name. <laughs> um, so Drahumira, you know, she got really frustrated. She couldn't kill Wenceslaus, and she just, you know, she was getting angry about the Christianization. All around her, more and more people were converting, and she just saw this happening. And now her father was still one of the old-fashioned pagan priests from, from Brandenburg, near, you know, around where Berlin is. And so you know she just she just kept trying to push back and push back and and this just wasn't happening people were converting and so finally she gave up and others again there's different versions of the story but the most interesting one is that she decided to go back to her birthplace where her father was born was buried she wanted to sacrifice herself to appease the pagan gods to finally push this christian pretending pretender of a god out, right? And bring the old pagan religion back. So she's just fuming. She's, you know, very frustrated. She hops into her coach, and she tells the coach to, uh, you know, take her to the old old, uh, graveyard, okay? Now, the coach driver was a Christian, and he kind of got a sense of what was going on, and he was a little worried about it. And where Chernin Palace used to be was a church called St. Michael's, just a little old, you know, really poor uh, Christian, you know, wooden church back in the 10th century. And um, so, you know, he the, the coach driver started to worry a little bit. And, you know, he didn't know what was going on, but he could just sense that she was furious. You know, here's this very dangerous woman, very angry. And right about then, the mass bells rang for mass, right? So... Right where now the hole to hell is, uh, he parked his coach and ran into the church um, which is now where there's, there's a parking lot and Trenton Palace and all that so you know, he, he ran into that wooden church, and started praying okay for mass. And Drahomira was just furious about this because you know you know her plans right So how dare her coach driver go into a church when she's you know, planning to destroy Christianity right? She started swearing at him, telling him to get back right now. And he says, you know, he's not listening. And finally, she starts, you know, turning her energy towards the congregation. Starts swearing them all, cursing them, you know. And the congregation gets worried because there's, she's a very powerful woman, you know, even politically speaking. And uh, so they stop. They start praying. And now they're starting to pray for their own protection. And then they start to pray, you know, to deliver themselves from this imminent threat, which is Drahomira. Well, lo and behold, the earth opens up in a huge fiery pit and swallows the coach and draw him mirror a hole. there's one version of the story says that this was this legend was created to explain this fiery pit so apparently this was a real uh, sinkhole that you could see steam and smoke escaping up until the 17th century and the Chernham Palace was built I believe in the 18th century and finally then it kinda subsided enough that when they uh, when they you know, kind of built the foundation for the palace. They they shored up that, that uh, I mean, you can see there is there's a huge wall. It's a step, so there's there's a change in elevation between Chernin Palace and the uh, Loreta. So, and about there is where the whole to hell was. So they had to you know fa- you know uh, strengthen that foundation, and so now it's just a little cobblestone circle. So. There you go. You know, they, they would say that you could hear screams from the hole. And you well, know,
1: this this lends to a question I have. So, what what do we know of her 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 demise other than the fact that she was swallowed up to the to the gates of hell? I mean, do we do we have an end game for her? She just disappeared uh, in in life. Was, was she murdered? You know, or is is this why this comes up to explain something that can't be explained that
0: she just drops this, into a hole? Yeah, this wraps up a lot of mysteries pretty nicely because. Um, the records of her time period, well, even Wenceslaff's life is, is Strategy, sketchy. history. Yeah, it, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of kind of 10th, 11th century biographies, but they all differ. And then he wasn't really written about seriously until almost the 17th century. And, and then and even then, a lot of that was in German. So, you know, it's just a lot was lost. So this kind of nicely explains the sinkhole it explains uh, the lack of records for drahomira nice little and, you bow you know.
1: on that. nice nice story yeah, I, well you know I, I look at this and i see just a lot of family drama that is great for for some some great you know uh, fictional reads uh but th- this this is really how it was i mean you have you have this mother trying to kill her son uh who later gets killed by his brother and his grandmother is is strangled to death i mean it, it's uh, it's pretty heavy stuff and we, you know when you go back to what really bothered Drohomira it was Lumilla who later right. became Saint Lumilla uh, is is the grandmother when she basically had that come to Jesus moment <laughs> and converted she wanted she wanted to make the eldest son of this Primalist dynasty follow in, in 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 the footsteps of Christ so so you can see that there was a power struggle like you mentioned Travis that you know are we going to stay pagan or are we going to go Christian and there were there're stories of Lumilla you know, secretly teaching the gospel to, to a young Wenceslaus in the dead of night or within tunnels or in, in, in quiet private places, um, uh, you know, throughout Prague. And um, it, whatever it was, it stuck with him. And I think that when you, when you look at Ludmilla, uh, there are some actually artifacts that we have of her, un, un, unlike Drovimira. Uh If you go to Prague Castle, you'll see this uh, this Baroque church uh, that actually held one of the older uh, basilical basilicas at one time, which is Saint George. So the Saint George Basilica is kind of red red facade uh, that you see there. Uh, this is where Ludmilla's bones were found by archaeologists, and you, you can actually go in and to the right of this basilica, you will see um, uh, photographs of the skull and and the bones that were found that were Ludmilla's. Um, so she did exist. She was a real person. And um, I, I think of, of, of the saints that probably don't get enough credit, she's probably one of them because without her, there's no Wincheslaus really that we know of today that right. would that would have been killed. So um, Ludmilla to this day remains to be a beloved fi- uh, figure of history and the nation. But when you look at St. Václav or St. Wincheslaus, as we said, you, you know, you can't overlook that the fact that his time was very short. But Travis, why was it so important? What, what did he do on the face of... Uh, of, of Central Europe that really um, helped the Czech people in Bohemia. And it has, I, I would imagine, something to do with their, with their uh, uh, German neighbors.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've touched on this before, but, but to get into it a little bit better, um, yeah, I've also said before that there would be no Czech without him. And uh, people might disagree with me, but um, they're wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to say That's it like that. That's why you have a podcast, my friend. <laughs> yeah. When you get your own podcast, you, you can you argue. Can, you can say whatever you want to say. Until then, um, <laughs> there would be no checks without him. No, basically, you know, my, my argument is, is this: is that, um, you know, we said Drahomiro came from Brandenburg, okay? She was a Slavic pagan, and now there are German Christians, okay? And uh, another area that was invaded by the Holy Roman Empire was. Uh, what is now Eastern well what was Eastern Prussia until World War two which is now Western Poland and they were a Western Baltic speaking people until the Teutonic Knights and they spoke German I mean old old Prussian is a Baltic language Prussian is a German dialect so it, it's you know they, they just can it's a completely extinct language and here's the thing so those people fought the Germans whereas wenceslaw You know, he he met the emperor. There was one conflict where he talked them into doing a one-on-one combat instead of you know army versus army because he he knew he would have gotten overrun. I mean, he knew this was a losing battle, and he actually gained the respect of the emperor. so he was able to keep the language. This was a thousand, a thousand years ago. And Czechs, including his brother, you know, thought he was a traitor because of this, that he's placating the Germans. They're paying tribute to the Germans. But now look at this, okay? Bohemia was the only kingdom under the Holy Roman Empire. Everything else was principalities. He kept the whole kingdom intact under the empire. And again, you know, I've pointed out, if you just look at a map, especially before World War II, when you have, you know, Prussia going way into what, what is now Poland, and you got Austria on the, to the south, you know, Bohemia is a Slavic bite out of the German-speaking pe- realm. So he – and that comes, comes down to him. Uh, where others chose to fight, he actually kind of placated – and I mean, he was a diplomat. He was a great diplomat. There's there's a great anecdote. Okay, I was hoping you are going to tell this story. Yeah, because <laughs> – cuz uh, so i mean okay so so just to give an example of what i mean by he got the respect of the of the uh, emperor um so he's you know again he's saint Wenceslav right so he's a very pious humble man and at one point the emperor you know invited a lot of the the principalities the, the princes together and henry was uh you know henry the emperor invited a lot of principalities together or these princes together and king Wenceslav was late okay and the german emperor goes oh this this bohemian he's probably off praying you know and making fun of him but then when he actually came in you know i mean he you know he greeted him very warmly and just kind of you know almost embraced him and and he declared among the court there that wenceslaus brought the grace of god amongst them right so i mean it's a, it's a it's a great story and it really does show that uh, you know, he had the emperor's ear. I mean, he had his respect, and even though he was probably, you know, one of the only non-Germans there, especially of that rank, you know, he really did. He he held his own, and he kept the, the culture and language alive.
1: Well, when we look at Wenceslas, you also look at the fact that he led by example. Um, he uh, really put his heart out, uh, uh, especially when it came to trials of criminals and and really kind of tempering some of the punishments that were doled out, um, he kind of had a, a, a softer feel for this with a, with a Christian sort of slant that really kind of following, if you, if you can say, following, trying to follow the feats of Jesus of, of uh, making, making uh, sure that I know this this life on earth is not perfect and it won't be perfect, but the afterlife is where you get your reward but in the meantime try not to to cause so many problems <laughs> with everybody else and I think yeah. that rubbed that rubbed uh rubbed off mainly from Ludmilla's viewpoint of of her gospel teaching um uh, so you know we're talking this is this is nine hundred AD, nine hundred, you know, twenty something AD when he was being taught, just less than a thousand years after the death of Christ. So there's some some direct correlation here of maybe what the true thought of of being Christian, what that really was like. Uh, and it was, I think, embraced by him. Uh, you take, you, you know, you look at uh, um, some of the things that it was also part of this. He would also ransom uh, slaves that were captured in war and then had them instructed to be baptized later on. So he really wanted to help push that, push the uh, conversion pretty quickly. You know, he gave, uh, he was a good example of divine worship and he prepared with his own hands the bread and wine uh, for the Holy Sacrament. Uh, so uh, he really was involved in this. And I think that that really was what, the, what was stuck. In the craw of his mother, <laughs> that wanted to to really kind of continue the pagan belief system. She saw that she was losing her old, eldest son.
0: Right, you want, me, you want me to talk about his death, his martyrdom?
1: This is this is where it gets kind of uh, Game of Thrones.
0: It's yeah, <laughs> it, 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 this gets tough. It's interesting. Yeah. So, so towards you know, so Boleslav, his brother, right? He he starts he gets a stronger and stronger following because Boleslav was warlike. He was kind of the brute of of the two. Well, you know, if you put them side by side, you know, it's hard to it's hard to give them a modern perspective because well,
1: you you probably got you know, Vaslav sitting out in the middle of a field praying, you know, and picking daisies, (laughs) and you you got you got the younger brother saying, "Uh, "Where's my war council? know, I'm the one that should be should be seceding in the throne."
0: That's the picture we have today. That's how you know. That's that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So in any case, uh, you know, they started to kind of conspire against him because. A lot of people thought that well, here's this this German trader. We need a proper Czech to to lead a nation, and Bolislav is the guy to do it. So you know, while you know Boloslav was building fortifications, while Wenceslav was building churches, right? So, anyways, at one point Boloslav invites him over to uh, one of his fortified towns, and which was Starý Boloslav, star right? which yeah, we which did is, a destination episode on. It,
1: so. It's only about maybe 10 or 15 minute drive northeast of Prague on Route 10. Uh, that uh, that you'll see the place where this martyrdom actually happened.
0: Okay, but he walked, so it was really far. Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> it probably took him a full day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he invited him over to his to his town, and now they knew that he would do his early morning mass. So there was a tunnel from the chateau or castle or whatever he was staying down to the church of St. Cosimos and Damien. Uh, so they knew his schedule. They knew he would go to this early morning mass, and they had... Um, so Boleslav was waiting for him down in the tunnel. All right, and there's a couple of cool aspects to the story. So for one, so Wenceslav is on his way and he meets his brother. Uh, so he swings at him with his sword. And Wenceslav somehow parried the blow and would have easily um, kind of you know, survived, except that, or the, the, basically the thing was is that Bolsoff was on the ground, but he knew that the only way to end this confrontation was to kill his brother. Wenceslav was above fratricide. so. He basically knew it was coming. Boleslav screamed, you know, yelled for help, and one of his his uh, assistants or whatever, one of his court folks came and stabbed Wenceslaus ruth- ruthlessly. Uh, one account, again, accounts vary, but in one account, he lost an ear. Okay, and this is this later comes back as one of the miracles. But um, so Wenceslaus is dead. So he's he's a martyr. He he died for his beliefs, and you know he he died, you know, defending them to the last this ear is important okay because oh, you have after, my, you have my attention yeah after <laughs> his death Wenceslav appeared to his sister pribislava and he told her where to find it near the door near the church door okay now remember Wenceslav is dead but she went there she had this feeling and she discovered it exactly in the spot that um you know he his spirit his ghost told her and he put it he went to his coffin and put it next to his head. And then later, when they opened, when his body was transferred to Prague, so they say, the ear was found adhering perfectly in its proper place to his head, as if it's never been severed. So, miracle, maybe, or one account said his ear was severed and another account said it wasn't, and they said, well, now it's definitely there, so it must be a miracle. It must be
1: a miracle. Um. Well, I'll tell you another story with it. Now, keep in mind, <laughs> it, this is a thousand years ago, folks. So, I mean, uh, we don't even know exactly this date. Uh, we, we, we think it might be in 929 or 932. Some say 935. So, it, it's right. kind of in there yeah. someplace. And so, you're going to have a lot of stuff that's lost in the mist of history. And, and this includes how it happened. Uh, some artists, you know, in, in subsequent uh, uh, centuries, have depicted this slaying, this martyrdom, as not the blow from Bol- Boloslav, his brother, but actually the 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 eyewitness uh, to this murder by his own henchmen. So, so if you can imagine, here comes Wenceslaus to mass. His brother's holding the door shut with his hand, not lo- mm-hmm. letting him in, as his henchmen do the dirty work, so that right. his hands are clean. Now, yeah. I kind of believe if that was how it went down, I think that's more of how it was because. As we see after the death, Boloslav is not exactly the, um, uh, the the wretched sort of evil brother that brought brought shame to the family. We got towns named after him here still. Mladá Boloslav, which means New Boloslav, is a town further up up the field from Prague, as well as Stará Boloslav. Uh, those names stuck. Uh, he was considered to somehow kind of have a good PR agent to kind of get his name a little bit clearer from this in his lifetime. Um, he was a strong leader. He led mm-hmm. the Czech people to uh, hold on to their boundaries for the most part, um, probably more so than Wenceslaus would have done because we know that Wenceslaus' viewpoints at the time, from what we know of him, was mainly towards the
0: faith, kind of kind of a pacifist. In, yeah, in exactly. Ways.
1: So so you know I, it, it is somewhat confusing, but do, do you think that Bosov has something to do with it? Absolutely. This family was screwed up, man. It seems like yes. <laughs> so I would say yes. Uh, power is power, and I, I think that he took a chance to do it. I just don't think he got his hands dirty. I think mm-hmm. if he could have someone else do it for him, I think that would have been happening. So as we say, there's a lot of legends t- towards this. There's a lot of artwork depicting different type of actions with this. But if you do go to Staroboloslav, this little town, uh, you will see um, uh, this basilica of St. Wenceslaus there uh, and the crypt where where he was slain. And uh, uh, during St. Wenceslas day, uh, once a year, it seems to be an annual tradition now, uh, the bishop from Prague comes up and they actually take out the skull of St. When They put a crown on it and a little uh, cloth over his head and they put it on a soft little pillow and they, they marched down the street and they held an outdoor mass. Uh, it is actually pretty, pretty epic to see this because Poor this fella. I know. <laughs> this gonna need, well, and keep in mind that if if you were uh, canonized later in life, every church wanted a piece of you. It's not uncommon throughout all of Europe to say that we've got a finger bone from this saint, we've got a knee bone from this saint, we've got a, you know, and and that just. I'm going to sin rates.
0: just so that doesn't happen to me after I die. <laughs> so, you know what? Cremate me.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, it's. Uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of like we we used to say this uh, with after the Crusades that uh, you know every church that we have a splinter from the cross of Christ, uh, there would be enough splinters to build like a, a town full of wooden structures. Uh, there was there's yeah. a lot of these things going on. We don't really know what some of these bones were. Um, but you know at some point at some point, some of these, I think, really do have some justification, and they have done uh, dating on this skull that it's, it's nearly a thousand years. So it would be about the same time of the death of St. loss.
0: Yeah, there's another legend. You want you want to talk about that one? Let's do another one. You want me, to, want me to say it? Yeah, go ahead. All right, Czechs really did have a very hard time, okay? And at the height of the su- suppression, like in the 17th, 18th centuries, people really clung to him as a national hero. So even, you know, Austrians were Catholic, so you know, nothing wrong with, with venerating a saint. And uh, this just happens to be a Czech saying that, you know, he really, he was a, he was a model. You know, at first he's considered a traitor, uh, but then later they realized, well, you know what? He really did kind of keep our culture intact. And it was German aggressors then that we have now. So, you know, now they really looked up to him. But there, there's, one of the stories is that there's a patriotic legend that an army with King Wenceslaus at its head who is sleeping under Mount Blanik? He will arise in moments of great national danger and deliver this to the country. So these with, are, with with the sword of Brunswick, yeah, right, which is supposed to be hidden somewhere in Charles Bridge. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you might have to suspend some belief yeah, <laughs> for the, some of these the, legends, but they're awesome. Legends. These are,
0: yeah, these would have I been great it. bedtime yeah. stories back when you know every you know the Germans are forcing you to speak German and you know banning your books I mean, there's all kinds of other things that people attribute the you know the the Czech language to him much more directly in the sense that you know there was some noblewoman woman that uh, she was the mother of a Jesuit if i remember correctly and she in her will she had all her money going to books written about St Wenceslaus in the Czech language and these were you know this was kind of in the right 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 before the revival period actually and suddenly there was all these Czech books floating around and you know they just happened to be about him and this is you know I think the Germans tried to burn a lot of them in the end. It, I mean this was really during the oppression. This was before the 19th century revival. This was like the deep, you know, you must speak German kind of time. So, you know, in a very real sense, people kind of looked up to him and because they looked up to him, they had his works translated in or, you know, written in the original Czech and, you know, distributed. So, yeah
1: well, you know around around this time as well, you have different points, especially in the turn of, into the nineteenth or 20th century. you have points where people were tearing down uh, certain certain uh, uh, statues or type of, types of things throughout the Czech Republic uh, trying to find their identity right and but the the statues of Saint Wenceslaus were really untouched why why yeah. why is that,
0: no, that yeah that, that's that's actually really important too. I, I found that really interesting like they there's one story of um there used to be a Mary's pillar. I don't know what you call it in English. Uh, you know, the pillar with, Saint, with the Virgin Mary on top. Maria Zoyle, I don't know. No, let's go with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, like, there's one in Munich. Uh, there's one in basically every. There's one behind the Prague Castle, for instance, right? And you know, it's a like they used to build them in medieval times as a protection against the plague. You have a big oh, pillar with Mary on top.
1: Uh, yes. I oh, and actually, it, <laughs> there's there's probably about ten of them in Prague.
0: Yeah. At different periods when the when the plague
1: was at its height, I think the latest one was in 1730. Um, and what they would do is they would have tens of thousands of people die of the plague. And they would build these these giant. Now they're kind of black with pollution, but these giant pyramid statues. And some yeah. of them some of them have actually Mary on tops. Some of them actually have. Uh, I think I've seen one with Saint uh, uh, with uh, Charles
0: the Fourth. Yeah, uh, but they're supposed things. to uh, have
1: a remembrance of the people that
0: died of the plague. Well, there's there's actually one that's standing today that that still survived. This is a different story. Sorry, but but it's cool. Uh, the one that's standing today, uh, right behind the, again, it's right across from Schwarzenberg's palace, and there's there's. Cool stories there too, but that one actually—the plague hit Bohemia and it went all around Prague, and and it didn't hit Prague. So that's one of the very few, uh, the only one that I know of, that they built to Saint Mary's as a thank you. So it wasn't as a like we're all dying from the plague, save us. It was like thanks for not killing us all. (laughs) Nice. But the original point, the original story was they tore down the St. Mary's Pillar that was in Old Town Square. It's not there anymore. There's not one there today. And it was actually the fire brigade that tore it down. So, the, you know, it, they dragged it by a, a fire truck, fire coach, really, back then. Or maybe maybe really really one of the first fire trucks. I don't know. You know, it was 1917, so it could be a fire truck. Um, and they drug it all the way across Charles Bridge, you know, like just down with uh, the Austrian symbols of power, which were the Catholic symbols of power. They tore down all kinds of statues of saints, but they didn't touch the, like you said, they didn't touch the ones of St. Wenceslas. So. And, and, and,
1: what, and as we see you know, in, in most pictures, the black and white photos that you see in the turn of the century, the last century, on Wenceslas Square, you see the second rendition of Wenceslas on a Horse. Now, the first one is actually in a museum someplace. It looks a little different than the one you see here today. Uh, but you know, some of the highlights of Czech revival and Czech na- nationhood, uh, and some of the things that were tragic, like the Prague Spring and, and, and even the good times, like uh, uh, the Velvet Revolution, Happened in Wenceslas Square yeah. around that monument, uh, and so I, I think that it, yeah, it do, it is a connection with the with with the Czech people, uh, and it it is a deep connection. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we want to do a show on Saint Wenceslas, for a guy that really didn't live that long and, and er, killed in his early thirties, never really ascended to the throne, but has such a, a overwhelming influence to be the patron saint of the, of this nation. Prague really has that connection to Saint Wenceslas, and and I think. Um, if you do go to Prague Castle and you go into St. Vitus Cathedral, uh, one of the longest waits to take a look, and there's only two entrances to take a look into this cathedral inside. Uh, and it is amazing. There's so much stuff to look at besides his re- one of his final resting places. Um, and actually right there is where they have the, I think, seven keys that mm-hmm. the, the mayor, the pre- the president of the republic, uh, a couple other dignitaries, they all have the key to this. So they have to open it at the same time, and that's where they keep the holy relics of the
0: scepter the orb and the crown of saint wenceslaus yeah. right and we mentioned this in a different podcast too but saint vitus cathedral is actually called saint the cathedral of saint vitus saint wenceslaus and saint Adelbert. Adelbert, right yeah, yeah all so together they, they got they're, yeah. they're trying to cover everything right they <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't <laughs> one, one big deal has got three towers got to have three saints exactly you know
1: and that. again so you know kind of recapping tonight's show you, you have to understand how influential saint wenceslaus was how influ- influential his grandmother Lumilla was to make Wincheslaw's the man of faith that he was before his, before his murder. And you have to understand that uh, um, there would be no probably St. Wincheslaw's in our history books here in the Czech Republic if it wasn't for Charles IV in the 14th century. So if you got that all together, I think you got a pretty good grasp at our um, overview of, of this man that yep. is the patron saint of the Czech Republic. Yeah. All right. So that's our show for tonight. We want to thank you so much for listening to uh, the Bohemican podcast. Be sure to, to uh, stop by the Bohemican uh, .com, uh, website that I have. Uh, there will be some more stories on Saint Wenceslas and, and uh, some of the destinations that I've taken throughout the Czech Republic, including Stará Boleslav, his final, uh, his, his final uh, place of life <laughs> before before his uh, Frater side. Uh, we want to thank you so much for listening this week. Please remember that you can actually uh, tune in to us and find us on iTunes and download us on there. If you subscribe to us, it's easy. It's so easy that when we have a new show every two weeks, it just pops up. And all you got to do is download it. So might be a good way to do that. You can give us some stars if you think we're uh, deserving of such. We hope, hope we are. And
0: uh, that will move us up the rankings a little bit. And while you're at it, stop by my website, historyofalchemy.com, and listen to our sister podcast.
1: You have been listening to the Bohemican podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for
0: listening. Naskodano!